Howdy folks, welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. This is episode 96 and I am your host, as ever, Ed Moore. You can tweet me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L. Ronin Rabbit has a Google Plus page. On Facebook, I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page. The website, bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. There's a space there for comments. And usagipodcast at gmail.com if you wish to uh, write something longer to me. Our topic, this episode, Usagi Ojimbo Volume 3, Issue 22 from Dark Horse Comics, dated July 1998. And it is the ongoing Grass Cutter Saga Chapter 8, entitled Senshobo. Before that, though, I do want to acknowledge some feedback that we have received in the interim. Uh, comments on the um, website, the listings for each episode. The first here is from Mr. Steve Hubble. Nice podcast. I really enjoy you, I, excuse me, I really envy you getting to read Grass Cutter for the first time. Such an epic story he left in regards to episode 89. In regards to episode 91, Steve mentions Usagi Ojimbo by Sakai, the greatest samurai comic ever. Lone Wolf and Cub by Kyoke and Kojima, the greatest samurai manga ever. Samurai Executioner by Kyoke and Kojima, definitely worth reading if you like Usagi Ojimbo and Lone Wolf and Cub. So those are his thoughts on ranking uh, the different um, books and mangas that I mentioned as uh, being extremely high, if not at the top of my personal list. In reference to episode 94, Steve writes, Yeah, Jason is a guy, at least up to this point, Jason, excuse me, um, and Keiko frequently refers to him as uncle. On a different note, Stan Sakai won the 1999 Eisner Award for Best Serialized Story for Grasscutter. And I believe that was in part mentioned because of my, uh, m- my personal feelings on the story up to that point. And um, l- let me just take a, a, a moment and, and clarify I, I may have said inadvertently uh, and certainly left some with the impression that I was reflecting on the quality of the story, which I am absolutely not. I, I understand that it is very well written. Uh, my reflection was upon my impression of what I had just read, what I had experienced. Now, this came out almost 20 years ago. If I had read it then, I would have been a very different person in a very different place in my comic reading, and I would have experienced it very differently. Uh, However, 20 years on, I've read tens of thousands more comics than I would have up to that point. So my, my personal impressions, my personal take is vastly different at this point. I am much, and, and this is just across the board, I am much, much harder to impress now uh, because I have read so many comics for so many years and seen so many different things. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here uh, on my pulpit and say that I've seen it all uh, because I know better than that. Uh, creativity uh, doesn't allow for that. Imagination doesn't allow for that. That's not possible. But I have seen more and experienced more and felt more reading, uh, you know, 35,000 more comics up to this point than I would have when this series first came out. So, again, anything I say is not directed at 
the creator or the creation unless I specifically say that. Now, at times, I will point something out that just doesn't jive with that. More to the point is my impression of my feelings caused by uh, my exposure to the creator and their creations. So it's, uh, I believe the, the popular vernacular is I-M-H-O, right? In, in my humble opinion. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's all that is. That is. Uh, it's, it's cool. Uh, I am enjoying it, obviously, or, or I wouldn't keep reading it, you know? So, okay. That being said, uh, we pick up outside the temple uh, that San Shobo has um, probably started, perhaps, right where issue 21 left off. We have that bright column of light arcing from the ground into the clouds, which is uh, distinctive because several characters note that in trying to determine visually what it is. So he's at the temple. Several of his priests or or faux priests or acolytes or whatever they would be called are are not handling the situation quite as he is. They're starting to panic, and the panic is spreading as more and more in that, you know, in that instance, I, I realize, see what is going on near their temple walls, but outside in the forest. Then it starts to snow, apparently. Um... I question Senshobo uh, indicates that it's a light snowfall. I question, given given something that we find here um, a couple pages on, that it was snow and not something else. While this is going on, we see that the uh, young Inazuma is uh, who who has been found and taken to the temple to to be healed. She's in the infirmary. She's grimacing and reacting to uh, something. In conjunction with the light, or at the at the same time as the light, um, perhaps it is intended to show us that there is a connection. I believe by the end of this issue, we see that there was a connection, but right now they're just simultaneously occurring, as far as we can tell. The light diminishes. Uh, Senshobo starts giving out orders. Um, priest A and Priest B, you guys come with me. Everyone else stay. Um, you, Priest C, while we are gone, see to our uh, patient in the infirmary. I have not had the chance because of all this hubbub that's going on, so please do that for me. He leaves with Priests A and B. He tells Priest D, lock this door, close the temple door behind me, and do not allow anyone else in until I get back. So close it to all but me. Senshobo, Priest A and B, head off into the woods in the direction of this uh, shaft of light that has now disappeared. Uh, next up, we cut to Tomoe Ame and Noriyuki, who are together with, uh, or are together at Aikida's farm, or uh, a village, I'm sorry, outside Aikida's farm. Within sight of this bright light, but it is not in the forest as it was from the temple's perspective that San Shobo's at. Rather, it is like a mountain range and a half away, right? It's, it's, it appears to be behind the nearest mountain as seen from this village. So it's, it's quite farther off, but still easily seen, particularly in the night sky, as this bright 
bright light. Not as detailed because they're farther away, but they too see the bright light. The earth shakes, um, and outside, Ikita and Tomoyame are together, as is uh, Motokasu, Akita's son. Uh, and they see this, they feel the earth tremor, they wonder aloud what is going on, particularly since they and this occurrence are in Lord Noriyuki's domain. So something is occurring in his lands that is, is this uh, major, this drastic, and, and they're pondering what it could possibly be. Back at the temple that Senshobo is at, we have um, priest, what did I say, priest C, Uh, is looking in on the charge in Azuma as she is laying here. Comes in, he's trying to talk to her, trying to wake her. And in the process of doing that, he's focusing such that he does not see that she is something. Uh, 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 Her arm is raising or, or she is reacting, but not in the way that he expects. But the final panel, we are outside, just outside the room, and we see the priest as he exclaims, what? No, no! So this this movement of Inazuma's hand resulted in something rather uh, catastrophic, it appears, to the priest. Now we cut outside the temple to Sanshobo and his acolytes A and B as they are looking for potentially the source or location of this bright shaft of light. They come upon Usagi, and Genosuke both laying here unconscious, and a pile of ash with a sword sticking vertically in it. Now, the pile of ash uh, is all that remains of Jay having been defeated by Usagi. I wonder if the snow that Shobo says fell early on, because it stopped within a panel or two of him noticing, if that was snow or if that was ash, more ash from the body of Jay or the disintegration or conflagration caused by this bright shaft of light. Um, As most are aware, heat typically accompanies light. So massive light should equal massive heat, unless, of course, it's magical in nature, which this very much is. However, uh, I, I think it would be reasonable to believe that what fell was an ash. It was an ash fall and not a snowfall. And Sanshobo didn't really take the time to notice that it was ash because that's not not living uh, in Japan at this time, not living near a volcano. Uh, They would not have experienced that, so they they wouldn't know necessarily what it looks like. They would equate it to the most uh, possible thing that they are familiar with, which would be snowfall. So that's what I think happened uh, it doesn't get resolved one way or the other, and I'm not really sure that it matters. So they're investigating the scene, and as I said, they find that Usagi and Genosuke are alive but unconscious. Usagi rouses enough uh, to speak to Senshobo, who is administering to Usagi because that's the person he knows of the two forms. And Usagi tells him, uh, grass cutter, the sword is grass cutter, hide it, you know, just kind of this in and out of conscious mumbling uh, train of thought kind of thing going on. So Shobo finds out about this sword and the other acolytes A and B here in attendance also hear Usagi speaks loudly enough. So they ponder what all of the scene means. Two unconscious men, one Senshobo knows, the pile of ash, grass cutter, a famous legendary sword in Japan at this point. 
they you know they discuss the whys and wherefores a little bit back and forth and uh yeah San Shobo says um uh yada 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 though I have a feeling of dread as he's standing there looking at the sword so he he kind of feels that the story of the sword in 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 its current uh, incarnation is not yet finished we cut back to the village of where Tomoe and Aikida is, and we have the doctor coming out to tell Tomoe Ame that Lord Noriyuki wishes to speak with her. Aikida accompanies her to apologize um, to Noriyuki and indicate he's no longer uh, an enemy. Uh, he that That's part of the story. Aikida was a former general and uh, was part of a rebellion, but lost and decided to become a farmer in hiding, but then decided that the farmer's life was cooler than he thought, so he was going to stay there. But then here within the past couple issues, he's been re-exposed to Lord Noriyuki within proximity enough to do what he always dreamed of doing, and he had to make the decision to or not to. He chose not to. Uh, long story short, they discuss his um his place in lord noriyuki's um entourage as lord noriyuki recognizes who and what he is and and asks him to come aboard in a in a more significant manner and aikida says no no the the farmer's life is what i have and that's that's enough for me the doctor shoes him away uh, lord noriyuki needs to rest basically uh, typically that's what doctors are for anymore you know they will say, well, so-and-so needs to see you. And at some point while they're seeing them, the doctor then comes in and says, okay, that's enough. Go away as kind of the <laughs> opener and closer of that particular scene. Outside, Tomoe uh, beseeches Aikida to indeed um, acquiesce to Lord Noriyuki's request to become uh, an actual part of, of his entourage as he has much to offer Lord Noriyuki and Lord Noriyuki is in a position to need good men, good people uh, around him. And again, he says no, but this time he says, but I will, you know, I will take into consideration what you're saying. Um, a couple retain uh, the um, owners of the house that they are staying in in the village come up in a, in an interesting little scene here and prostrate themselves before Tomoe indicating that they wished that they had more to offer the lord of their lands and she says no no what you're doing is what you can do and that is very much appreciated and will be remembered be interesting to see if later on in the story we come back to this and and they get uh, whatever they get some lands or they get some rice or they get you know to to see if if it is followed through on uh, we now cut to our conspirators that uh, basically started this whole thing. Uh, now the lead mouthpiece is Lord Oku, as uh, Kotetsu has died. Mr. Sakai gives us the word Mikado, which means emperor. Uh, this group is trying to put the emperor, the uh, political leader of Japan, back into power, as opposed to the shogun, who is the military leader of Japan. I take this to be kind of the head of state uh, president and the uh, most important general. You know how a lot of times when there is a coup uh, in in other countries around the world, it will be a mere, m- uh, military, military 
voluntarily led coup or uh, junta that is um, put into power. Uh, that's kind of how I envision this in my potential lack of knowledge of Japanese politics at the time. But the shogun is the military side of Japan being in charge. The emperor is the more political side. Not that those two realms don't cross over when those two individuals are in power, uh, because they have to both work hand in hand. But that that is my take on the differentiation between the shogun and the emperor. So they're discussing what they're going to do now that Kotetsu is done. Uh, there's going to be an investigation. Basically, the, the takeaway is that somebody is going to break uh, because we have a group of uh, six, seven men who are talking, and they come to the consensus that if we all keep to the same story, if we have to keep a story, otherwise keep your mouth shut, uh, they'll be fine. Um, and as I think we know in, in popular fiction and perhaps in, in real life, uh, that typically isn't what happens. Somebody is going to break. And when they do, now all of these men are already mentioned on a document that the Nico Ninjas have. Oddly enough, there is one outside the window listening to our conspirators as they agree to the next stage of their plan. Uh, but the Nico Ninjas already have the traitor list uh, in the letter that we see from uh, five or six issues back. So. They're already named, they're already grouped. Whether or not they speak, there still is the potential that they'll be exposed. Uh, back to the scene of San Shobo outside the temple, he has sent one of his priests, uh, one of his acolytes, A or B, I, I really can't tell the difference, to the temple to get help in carrying Usagi and Genosuke back. Uh, after a period of time, uh, San Shobo realizes it's been an awful long time. They should have been back by now. And then a single lantern starts bobbing through the forest and, and finally comes into view. It's a, it's the, the priest that he sent. And he comes back screaming, the temple, the temple, and and just collapses uh, in, in histrionics. Um, so St. Shobo takes his lantern and goes back to the temple. When he gets there, he realizes the door is open, which is odd because that's not what he had ordered. And as he steps in, he sees the priests of the temple laying about the courtyard dead, all with these horrified grimaces frozen on their face, their hands clutching and, and, and frozen in different rigors that all together make just a, a terribly horrifying scene. Uh, a little bit later in this issue, we find out that their number is 30. Um, so given one or two here or there that may have been found elsewhere, the majority of the priests were found dead like this in this courtyard. So that that's the scene that San Shobo walks into as they are clustered around the inside of the gate. Um, the two priests struggle back to the tempo. Uh, tempo? temple, uh, screaming out for Sanshobo. The one that is near hysterical continues his histrionics. Uh, Sanshobo Sanshobo gets a hold of him, you know, get a hold of yourself, man, shake, 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 um, and tells them that we have to go and get these two men we found in the forest, bring them to the infirmary, and then we have many death rites to perform, he says. Later on that night, or maybe early morning, it's still dark, uh, Usagi starts to rouse some. Uh, Senshobo is here administering to him. Looks like 
he's making him perhaps a tea or he is preparing to give him some soup perhaps is what it is feed him um they discuss back and forth a little bit what's going on about grass cutter what what are we going to do with it they agree that it is far too important to allow to stay in the hands of those that will use it for political gain. And San Shobo comes to the idea that he will take it to the shrine at, at Suta, which is the shrine for the sword. There is a replica of the sword hanging there that is worshipped. He believes that it will work to go and trade out the real one, for the replica, leave the real one there and have everyone go about their daily lives uh, praying to and paying homage to the real sword that they think is the replica. So it's kind of a hidden in plain sight kind of deal. And then Usagi wonders about Jay. What happened to Jay? I know I killed him. Did you get the body? Did you find it? Where is it? And uh, Sanchebo says, no, there there was no body. There was nothing there. Just you and, and your colleague here. The final several panels, we cut to the forest uh, the next day. At some point, it's daylight, and I assume it's the it's the very next daylight period. We see a young lady walking through the forest, about to be waylaid by a group of brigands. It's the same brigands uh, that was led by Boss Hosoku uh, a issue ago, a couple issues ago, looking for Inazuma. Uh, to kill her because there's a price on her head. This is her. They have found her. They surround her, get ready to attack. And she turns on them with the dead eyes and the hellish evil voice in speaking to them. And it it holds them up for a minute, but they attack nonetheless because there's a price on her head. She kills them all. And then out of the forest uh, comes Keiko. um, Says, there you are. I've been looking all over for you. Then she stops and looks and says... Auntie, where do we go to now? And Inazuma, possessed by the spirit, I guess we'll say, of Jay, says, to hell, my innocent, to hell. Again, in that evilly, nasty kind of voice that they're portraying Jay with. So, um, let's see. Everybody that was anybody got mentioned here we were introduced or not introduced but we were given again the the word makado which is emperor uh, by mr sakai and other than that i don't think i really have too too much to add um things are, are definitely coming to a head we see all these uh, disparate pieces moving perhaps moving together I don't know if um, Akita, Tomoe, and Noriyuki really are going to be anywhere at the same time uh, as Usagi and his part of the story. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. There's several more parts still to go. Two or maybe three more sections of the of the grass cutter storyline, so we'll see. Uh, perhaps they won't all meet, and, and that's fine. I like the way everything is progressing. Uh, It seems perhaps the story, the main point of the story, is to pass Jay on. Uh, Very interesting to pass it on to someone we know. Uh, A little bit of reading will show that this was not the intended target for Jay, uh, but the intended target just thematically would not have worked out very well. It would have been very um, problematic, actually, if his initial thoughts... Uh, had been followed through by Mr. Sakai as to what happens to Jay and where Jay goes. 
So that being said, guys, uh, thanks for hanging in there with me. Usagi Ojimbo, Volume 3, Issue 23, uh, dated September 1998, which will be... Let me grab my book here. Uh, Let's see. My Father's Swords is the title of the book. Still looks to be a continuation of the Grass Cutter storyline because I still see some of the same characters. So that's what we have to talk about or listen to as our roles may be uh, next time out. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys then. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.